We step into that this morning. We look forward to learning more about you and who you are. And God, we know that we are unworthy of all your gifts. We praise you for them. Will you help us, God, to see you in a new light this morning? Will you help us to see you in the fullness of your glory? Will you help us to walk out of just the Palm Sunday narrative and the waving of palms, which is a blessing and beautiful, but there's so much more to you than that moment. And as we enter this Passion Week, God, help us to be passionate about you. Renew our love for you. Renew a thirst for you. Renew a craving for you. Help us to be obsessed with you. So that the other things of our lives fade into the background. Because we are so enamored. So in love with you. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. So we ask for that work this morning. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. It's true that when we sing about the Lordship of Jesus, not everyone, of course, agrees with that. The name of Christ, the position of Christ, it's all been maligned for ages. And so we're always in this battle with culture regarding who we believe Him to be. But the truth is, one day, everyone will worship this King. All creation will worship this king. And so we have an opportunity today to see this high point in his redemption story as he overlooks Jerusalem, ready to introduce himself as king, and we'll follow that all the way to Revelation and get a glimpse of his future kingship. But make no mistake about it, Jesus is a king. But he's also a lamb of God. And that name is so perfect to describe his mission. Because in Revelation, we'll see him described as the lamb that was slain. He is slain because he paid for our sin. He is slain because the king humbled himself and gave himself to us. Because it was the only way to be delivered from sin. Charles Stanley wrote that either a life must end for payment of sin... Or one must be given as payment for another's wrongdoing. Jesus paid for our wrongdoing. And so today we're going to worship Him for that. And during this Passion Week, I don't want you to let it slide by without encountering the Lamb that was slain. Because it's too important. And it's too beautiful. This is the Jesus that we worship. Now, we are coming to the Passion Week, and Palm Sundays, even though it's, you know, 10 degrees outside, it is Easter season. Baseball starts on Thursday, and it's, I don't know, 30 degrees, and I'm reading about snow still. But it is here, and this is where we celebrate all of the beautiful things. Today, we're going to talk about His kingship and His submission to His Father and how we can bow before Him. On Friday, we're going to marvel and stop and try to feel his agony as he went to the cross. And then on Sunday, the theme of this week will come alive because Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. But today, 
Let's take joy in the fact that we can bow our knees, we can offer our lives, and we can find lasting joy by submitting to the Lamb that was slain. And so take your Bibles, if you would, and we're going to begin this morning in the book of Matthew 21, beginning in verse 1. And you can turn there, and then you can just put your finger in that text. Matthew 21, beginning in verse 1. It's page 826, if you want to turn there in that Bible in front of you. Because here's the thing. What we're going to touch on this morning is that submitting to the Lamb requires obedience It requires loving God's people, and it requires being on mission. And so we're going to begin this morning with this tenet. Submitting to the Lamb that was slain requires obedience. And so if we want to find the joy, if we want to come to know Him better, the first step is obedience to the Lamb. This, however, is a step that some don't want to take. They just want to feed into that power and that joy without actually walking as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But Jesus made this very clear that that's not the way it works. In John 14, 23, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And so obedience is required if we submit to the Lamb. This is so vitally important. But what we need to do is we need to better know the person that we're obeying, and so we can do it with joy. So let's take a look now at that Matthew passage. Again, it's chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. Now you saw the kids up here, they're waving their palm branches. A great depiction of what was happening Jesus is at the top of the Mount of Olives. He's looking down into the Kidron Valley and across the valley into Jerusalem. And he's about ready to take that steep grade down into the Kidron Valley. It's very steep. It's, it's like out here, that, that grade into 101 when you go past the monument site. It's very steep. And so he's looking down at that. He's looking across, and then he's looking at the city, the city that he will weep over that has rejected him. And he knew would reject him. But he is intent on doing his sacrificial ministry. And all the people are lining the road and they're laying all of these branches and coats because that's what they did for a king. And they shouted, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that means Hosanna in the highest means come and save us. Help us, Lord. Because they were oppressed. This was an oppressed people. The Romans were there, and they needed to be freed. But that's not why Jesus came. He came to free us from our sin and provide eternal life. So let's begin here in 21, beginning in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And so why two? Well, when Jesus secured a colt, the mother naturally went along. And so he's beginning now. His announcement as king. So who are we obeying? We're obeying a king. 
And this is why we obey. Because the Lamb is a king. And remember when he was talking to Pilate? And Pilate asked him, are you a king? Yes. This is paraphrased. Anywhere near here? Jesus must have been thinking, uh, no, not really. He's the king of a vast domain. And by the very nature of a king, there is authority. Because a king has a kingdom. And subjects in that kingdom obey the king. So why do we obey Jesus? We obey Jesus because Jesus is our king. And so they're, they're, they're coming from Jericho toward Jerusalem now, and it would have been a, a steep uphill walk, a long way from Jericho. Jericho's now on the West Bank, Palestinian controlled, and you come up around these hills and you come into toward the city of Jerusalem, and they stopped on the Mount of Olives. And, of course, the Mount of Olives has this incredible biblical history and prophecy attached to it. Many believe this is the spot that Jesus will return one day to to take us home. But here's Jesus now overlooking the city. And he makes this simple request. Can you please go get a colt? And he sends two disciples. doesn't matter which ones they were. But the key words here are, the Lord has need of them. The Lord has need of them. With those words, he announces himself as a king. The Lord has need of them. The king has need of them. Messiah has need of them. This is the announcement. This ride in Jerusalem is about an announcement of kingship. And here are all these people lining the road and they're waving and they're throwing things in front of him and they're thinking, finally, Messiah will be free. Jesus came for an eternal reason. He came to save people from sin and just in a few days they would turn on him. But here he is now fulfilling prophecy in Zechariah. And we see this here in 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. That's Israel. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so this is biblical prophecy in action. This is Jesus taking that role as Messiah. And I love the words there. Behold, your king is coming to you. This is Jesus Christ. But what they didn't yet realize is that Jesus was the lamb that would be slain. What they didn't yet realize is that Jesus would walk that road again one day in just less than a week, but the other way. He would go into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And then he would be arrested and walked right back across the valley to Caiaphas' house to be tried. He knew that was his fate. He knew the cross waited for him. But these people didn't yet know that. But it's so beautiful because the lamb that was slain offers us eternal life and transforming life power if we would just submit to him. And submitting to him first means that we obey him. 
So we don't chase after cookie-cutter Christianity. We don't chase after compartmentalizing our faith. We don't live our lives as a Christian lifestyle that's really nice and fun. And No, this is about discipleship. If you actually go to Israel and you talk to an Orthodox Jew about who their rabbi is, they will tell you, I'm in this rabbinical camp. They know what their rabbi believes and they follow that particular rabbi. And you can tell by the way they dress. It's an identification with. We identify with our rabbi who is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So we obey him. The second thing that we do as followers of Jesus in order to submit is that we love people. And you say, well, that's kind of weird, Paul. Why did you drop that in? Because we're about to look at the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, you're going to see all of the believers from all over the world, throughout all of history and future, and we're all going to be there together worshiping the Lamb that was slain. And so we are all children of God. So why would we not want to love each other? No wonder. Jesus said, love God and love others. It's so funny when Christians can't get along and they're holding grudges and I'm never going to talk to that person again. Yes, you are. So you might as well make it right now or it's going to be a very uncomfortable time. Here's what Jesus said. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is not an optional thing. Because when we love one another, people notice and they want to be a part of our thing. But if we're showing discord then nobody wants to be a part of our thing. And so we love each other. How do you, how do you love one another? Well, we, we extend grace. We forgive. We don't keep a record of wrongs. We, we understand that we're all broken. We understand that each of us is in a different part of our walk, and we go the extra mile. There's no place as a Jesus follower, there's no place as a worshiper of the Lamb that was slain, for self-righteousness. There's no place for grudge-holding. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. He commands us to love each other. I think this is one of the most overlooked tenets in all of the Christian faith, although it is the great commandment. Because it's so hard to do, and... We don't necessarily see consequences immediately. If we go out and do the big sins, you know, then we have to pay for them immediately. But we can, yeah, we can kind of mess with our relationships. doesn't seem to matter. But it does matter. Because Jesus has commanded us we're going to be there in heaven together. So in order to submit to this Lamb, we obey Him. Because he is a king, we love each other, but we also need to tell others about him. And this is where we're going to jump to Revelation now. So take your Bibles again and turn back to Revelation 5, beginning in verse 1. This is toward the end of your Bible, on page 1030. 
And you can go on the app, of course, again, and the text will be there. Revelation 5, beginning in verse 1. Now, I don't know. I'm going to, I wish we all had like heart monitors on. Because I want to see if you have a pulse. Because when you read this text that we're about to read, and your heart rate doesn't go up, then you don't have a pulse. Because what we're about to read is beautiful, life-changing, and hopeful. But the point of it's going to be, it's a description of us all worshiping together, and we need to be about the business of following the commandment of Christ to go and make His name known so that others can be a part of this. So submitting to the Lamb requires being on mission. Another forgotten tenet of Christianity is that Jesus, the last thing He said is to go and make disciples. Not become insular and keep the world out. He said, go into the world. And make disciples. So here in verses 1 through 5, John sees in this vision on the island of Patmos a mighty angel who asked in a loud voice, who's worthy to break the seal of this scroll? The scroll is the Greek biblion, which of course is where we derive the word Bible. So the problem they're having here is that there's no one who's found worthy to open up the full revelation of God until the lamb that was slain enters the picture. So verse 1, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? To open the scroll and break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, by way of explanation, the elders here, one of the elders likely is representing the church, the overcomers who have their crowns, who are now abiding in the place that God has for them. And one of these elders introduces Jesus to John, and he has the authority to open the revelation of God because he has paid for the sins of mankind. Jesus here is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. That's a strong early name for Messiah. Jesus is from the line of Judah, which is the national prominent line. It is the kingly line. It is the line through David and Solomon. Jesus, indeed, is a king. And then the root of David is a title from Isaiah referring to the burgeoning life of Israel as it becomes a new nation. Jesus is its Messiah. Jesus is its king 
though he has been rejected. And so we see this incredible picture of Christ. Now, we're not going to read 6 through 8. But John then again sees a lamb standing between a throne and the four living creatures. Those are cherubim. Those are angels with power and holiness. The lamb, though it had been slain with seven horns, eyes, and seven spirits, reached for the scroll. That's power. That's a, that's a picture of power. The 24 elders, all of these believers, fell down and worshipped the lamb. And the bowl of incense is prayer. Now look at 9 through 14. This is where your heart monitor should be working because what we see is a final glorious picture of redemption. An amazing future for every one of us because of the lamb that was slain. Verse 9, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And now in 11, the angels all join in. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbered myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. <laughs> and the elders fell down and worshipped. Wow. That's picture of Christ's kingship. This is the same person who humbly on the Mount of Olives said, could you please go get a colt? And if anyone questions you, just say, the Lord has need of them. Oh, Lord. This is our future. But we need to be on mission so we can help others understand this is for them if they would just submit to the Lamb. And if you look at and go through this, we see how practical it is. Verse 9, by His blood He ransomed people for God, meaning the sacrificial death of Christ on behalf of sinners made Him the only one who was worthy to open the scroll. This means that men and women can be right with God, but only through that sacrifice that Jesus made. And so we have to preach the name of Christ. We have to spread the name of Christ because there is exclusivity in the gospel, which is Jesus Christ. And then if you look at the second part of 9, the people that he sacrificed for are from every tribe and language and people and nation. And what did Jesus command us to do? Go into all the world 
And so why do we do global missions? It's because we have been commanded to go into the world of every tribe and every nation to preach Christ. And guess what? They'll be with us in heaven. You may have to learn a new language or something. I don't know. Not everyone's going to speak English. I know it's a shock to us Americans. Verse 10. He has made believers a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. This reflects the millennial reign, but it also reflects 1 Peter 2.5, which describes Jesus' followers as a holy priesthood that labor under our high priest. And so you and I labor, do the mission under a high priest that loves us. Why wouldn't we follow his command to bring others into his kingdom? And then in 12, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. We honor him by our worship, by our holy service to God. Only he can be worshipped. The father has given him kingship. And so we worship him by following his command to go. And then, in 13, the reign of Jesus is forever and ever. There is no end to his kingship. But here's the problem. There is a doorway to his heavenly abode, and that is through his sacrificial gift. And so the only way to take part in what we're reading about here is to submit and follow Jesus Christ through repentance through understanding who he is, through believing in his death and resurrection. And, the, and conversely, if you, if, you, if, you, if you want the full gospel, then those who don't do that will live forever, but it will be separated from this in torment in hell. And so we have a mission, which is to go out and to tell people that Jesus Christ is the king. And there's no better time to do it than Easter. Erica was right. Easter is the time when people are most open to hearing about the gospel. And so we enter the Passion Week and we, we see this amazing person, this humble beginning, ordering a cult. The one who arrived not to free the Romans, but to save us from our sin. And so we submit to him through obedience and a missional lifestyle, and a love for each other. And so let's not waste this time, this week, because honestly the time is now to submit to Jesus. The time is now. Not tomorrow. Not a year from now. Not on your deathbed. You may not have that chance. Because this was a really hard week for Jesus. This Passion Week, he did his heaviest teaching of his entire ministry. And we tend to think it's all spread out because we go through the Gospels and they're long. No, a lot of it's concentrated right here. It was also a week that the disciples would find out that their lives were changing forever. It was a week that Jesus would be betrayed. It was a week that the cosmos braced for the first ever rift in the Trinity because the Father would look away from Jesus because of our sin. 
It was a week that changed all of history. And we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate that and honor it and memorialize that on Friday. But for today, we can celebrate the King. And we can align our lives to be like Him. We can submit to Him. What does that look like? Submitting to Him meanings, means pointing our life toward Him, toward the future, toward eternal rewards, not temporal. Submission means that's where we're headed. We run the race until we are no longer able to run the race. Submitting to Him means that we worship only Him. Not the things of this world. Not power or money or comfort or sex. We worship God. And only God. And He becomes the center of everything that we do. Submitting to Him means that we give of our whole selves to Him. We don't hold things back. We don't fall under the illusion that we can somehow hide something from God. What we do is we fall on our knees and we say, you can have everything. Everything. That's a frightening prayer, isn't it? You can have everything. Are we really... Are you saying, Paul, that you're really saying that you offer your children? You offer your spouse? You offer your job? You offer all of these precious things to God and you release them? Yes. Because if we hold on to them, they become an idol. And then we are not fully in submission to the Lamb. Because if you look at his mission, he gave everything for us. And the good thing about this is, I know it's frightening, but you can trust him with all of your precious stuff. Now, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean, and I've, you know, Wendy and I have discovered this, it doesn't mean that everything is going to go swimmingly well. But what it does mean is that God has a better plan than me so I'm willing to offer that to him. And then we submit to him by telling others. Because here's the thing. We want to make Jesus known as a church. And if we're going to do that, then we have to pay the cost. Because there is a cost to discipleship. And we can't really understand discipleship until we understand that. And Jesus said in Luke 14:27, he said, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's fairly clear. Discipleship means that we, we take up this cross. What does that mean? Well, it means that we're willing to suffer persecution. We're willing to get fired if that's what is needed. We're willing to have to move if that's where God is calling us to minister picking up a cross, following Jesus. There's a reward at the end of that line, but it's hard. But we can find great joy in it. Because, because, back to Revelation 5, 
Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. By your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. I love that language. Ransomed people for God. Wow. So what I'm asking you to do this morning is to put aside cultural Christianity. I'm asking you this morning to put aside the fact that you equate following Jesus with a denomination or a style of church. I'm asking you to identify yourself as a follower of Jesus. I'm asking you to give him everything. Now, I know this is a process, but in essence, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to become obsessed by the Lamb. Well, Paul, that's that's ridiculous language you're using this morning. This is Palm Sunday. What happened to the palm branches waving? The irony of it is this. If you do all of these hard things, then regardless of how your life plays out, you will find a new source of joy. I'm trying to steer you toward a new source of joy and hope in your life. Because this whole story is about God's grace. It's about the Son that came to save us from our sin. He is much maligned. Nobody understands Him. But we do. He, he, he said, I need a donkey. At that moment, he became, he became known as the King. And now He's our King. So let's celebrate His amazing grace. Let's follow Him and completely submit ourselves to the Lamb that was slain. Let's pray. God, we come to you, and we know that we, have, we can't do this within ourselves. We can only do this through your power. And it is a high calling. But God, we so desperately want to do this because we understand you have called us to do this, and we understand this is, this is how we get people saved. This is how we make an impact on our world. This is how we come to the place where we can stand before you and worship you with all of these people around us that in our neighborhoods and workplaces that don't know you yet. This is how we can defeat the, the, the incredible pulls of despair in our lives because there is this hope of this incredible future. You have ransomed us to God. So thank you for your grace. Help us to celebrate that now in song. And may we freely sing to you, our King. And I pray this in your name. Amen.